What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those itunes charts which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels great way to help strangers find the podcast and contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing appreciate 
the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. It only takes a minute or two. Cannot stress the importance of those. If you're not listening on iTunes, just click like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify now. And I've also been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify that are coming out every first of the month. So the September one should be coming at you here shortly. All the links for those things will be in the episode notes along with the links for the Dan Cable Presents t-shirts and the Dan Cable Presents mugs. All right, let's cut right to it. We've got a very special one, a big fucking deal to me this week on episode 269. Suzanne Santo is on the show. My first exposure to Suzanne as a musician was about 10 years ago when I found out about the duo that she was playing in at that time called Honey Honey and I fell in love with their album three and it's a record that's still in my rotation regularly and back in 2017 she started putting out some solo music Ruby Red came out which was the first solo record and now this Friday today her new album came out Yard Sale and spoiler alert it's really fucking great and I'm so stoked to share some tunes from that record throughout this episode as well as my chat with Suzanne it was uh it was so cool to get to talk with her about how she got playing music and the departure from the honey honey stuff into the the solo work and just all of the cool relationships that she has created through pursuing that I mean we're talking about a pretty great circle of folks as far as the people that have worked on these two solo albums. I mean, we're talking about some of my favorite people in the game. Gary Clark Jr., monster guitar player, incredible musician and songwriter. Shaky Graves, who's put out some of my favorite albums in the last few years and just a crazy good live performer. One of my favorite performances that I've seen at the Pickathon Music Festival up here in the Portland area and Butch Walker who produced Suzanne's Ruby Red record is a dude that has produced some of my favorite albums and artists over the course of his career so big folks in the conversation so for the second consecutive week I just feel incredibly grateful and stoked that uh, I'm, I'm talking to people within this sphere talking to Morgan Wade last week and her work with Sadler Vaden, who's a part of the Jason Isbell 400 unit crew. And yeah, this week talking to Suzanne. And one of the things that gets mentioned in this conversation is imposter syndrome. And Suzanne sometimes, you know, not not giving herself the, the credit that she deserves and just needing to have those realizations that you belong at the table and something I can relate to heavy, especially when I'm I'm talking to a Suzanne Santo and and just that, you know, I've I'm in this position, no doubt, because of 
some good fortune, but also because I have uh, I've knocked on the doors. I've I've gone after it, and because of that, I've gotten to find my seat at the table sometimes to have these conversations with these musicians that I've been following for years or just have the utmost respect for their songwriting and feels surreal at times that I'm even chatting with them after watching their careers from afar but the you know the point is is I think it's important to give yourself the credit for the work that you have put in because sometimes you're the only person that can give yourself that sort of validation and it's important to acknowledge that and uh, not just the hard work, but I think half the battle sometimes is just putting yourself out there. That's a, a huge part of things unfolding in your favor. So I'm just so appreciative of Suzanne's team for linking me up with her so that I can have this great conversation with her. I don't want to ramble too much more up top because I'm so goddamn excited to just share this episode and all of the links for Suzanne will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with her tour dates and her merch this record's on vinyl you should get one the t-shirts all of that will be there if you are a Portland local I do want to hit you with a couple calendar dates going on at Produce Row Cafe here every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. We've got free music going on over there, everything from folky singer-songwriters and duos to hip-hop DJs and producers. September 1st, we've got a great duo, Dead Lee, members of Blitz and Trapper coming out for that one. September 5th, Nathan Earl, incredible singer and songwriter, going to be there september 8th the yellow birds are back that's a great trio of songwriters september 15th fox and bones is back so much good stuff going on at produce row free music going on on the weekly over there also if you're listening to this on release date i will be djing at north 45 this coming sunday 4 p.m to 6 p.m playing a bunch of different genres of music Lots of uh, soul, R&B, pop, dance. We're going to do it all over there. It's going to be a nice Sunday afternoon, chill vibe. And uh, if you're new to the, the programming here, you came because you're a Suzanne Santo fan. I am so stoked to to have you listening to this episode. I would encourage you to go back, check out some, some previous chats. This thing's happening every Friday. And then every other Wednesday, I release I Dig Records which is a series I do with my cousin. We do a deep dive on a record, do some commentary on it, listen to some tracks and whatnot. So that's every other Wednesday. I'm going to have some guest hosts for that coming up, which will be cool. And like I said, all those links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with Suzanne. Produce Row calendar will be there. All my links will be in there. Check into those playlists. Trying to keep those very spread out genre-wise. And, uh, man, appreciate the hell out of all the folks that just keep listening to this thing. All you loyal listeners that have slowly seen this thing build over the last six years almost. And 
the caliber of guests that are coming onto the show is uh, is pretty goddamn cool, and uh, I couldn't be more stoked about it. And I think we're just gonna keep having more and more exciting things in the future. And uh, Suzanne Santo, thank you so much for giving me some of your time and uh, letting me pick your brain about your your musical journey and can't encourage people enough to check out this new record yard sale which is available everywhere and we are going to kick off episode 269 suzanne santo is on the show and we're going to play a track off of that yard sale record it's called gold rush let's do the damn thing
Yeah, super stoked to chat with you though. I've been listening to your your music for at least ten years now. So it's a trip. Oh, to, thank you. Yeah, it's a trip to have the opportunity to chat with you. When I started this podcast like six years ago, you were definitely on that uh, on that bucket list of of bands to <laughs> to have on. And now I'm two hundred and seventy episodes deep or so, and and. Talking, oh wow talking That's to you suzanne so i'm super pumped <laughs> thank you me too it's pretty dark in here huh okay i'm trying you're, to you're good I, I feel like i can sit on the couch now since we're uh we're off the phone unless you want me to get back on my no, phone you're great you're great okay awesome but yeah i'm stoked to Thanks, Dan. yeah i'm stoked to talk to you about your new record yard sale which has probably thanks probably some of my favorite songs that you've ever written on it man thank you i love that i I appreciate that thanks yeah i just i love all the all the drum machine production that that shows itself and uh yeah there's just a a lot of cool unexplored territory it seems with the the new record and i definitely want to talk to you about that but i was I was hoping maybe we could take it way back and uh, you could talk to me about how you got hooked into playing music. Okay. Wow. Well, that's, thank you. We are going way back. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've kind of, I've always played music for the most part. Ever, I was always singing when I was a kid. My, my mom said I was always singing in my stroller. And, um, you know, I went to a public school up until sixth grade in, in the greater Cleveland area. I grew up in Parma, Ohio. And, the public school had all these, um, you know, you could learn to play violin and we had a choir and everybody was in choir and, you know, you could le- learn an instrument anywhere from the cello to the, you know, the flute or the piccolo or something. And um, I also took piano lessons um, down the street from my house. So my mom would walk my sisters and I, and we'd each get like a, you know, 30 minute piano lesson kind of thing. And um, it's always been, you know, in my life and I was a a teen model and an actress for a little while and I I actually never thought about music as a career it just wasn't something that you know was the trajectory at the time and then uh, when I was 19 I moved to Los Angeles and it was a really lonely time in my life I, I, I really didn't know anyone there and it took me a really long time to make the good friends that, you know, I, I have now and, you know, just people, it's, it's an interesting place to, as you know, cause you're from there. Um, you get a lot of transplants. Um, so during that time when I wasn't working as much as an actress, I just started playing guitar and writing all the time. And I picked my violin back up. Uh, I started playing violin when I was 11. And then as it turned out, my roommate had two best friends. One was a booker for open mic nights and the other was an engineer who uh, introduced me to Ben from Honey Honey. So like in the course of a couple years of moving there, I was just like, I just started playing music and I couldn't stop once I started. It was just like very clear that I should be doing that. So uh, I slowly phased out acting, even though I occasionally revisit it from time to time. Um, I, and it just became my main, my main guy, my main squeeze. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Even when you were a kid, though, when you picked up instruments, did they seem to like make sense in your hands, or what? Did you feel like you had some natural feel for it, or Definitely. was it a lot of work all the yeah. time? Yeah. No, I would get really 
really good at it really fast. Like I'd play the piano and just start learning things by ear. And, um, I, I definitely, um, probably undervalued that. And I probably still do. I should really like be nicer to myself about things, <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I definitely, um, I had this really amazing choir teacher, Marlene Dre, Mrs. Dre at, at school. And she would discreetly, you know, uh, you know, take me aside and let me like work on singing with her. And, and she kind of let me know that I had a, a special gift and that I could really, you know, hone in on this. And, and that was really cool. You know, I definitely noticed things when I would sing in public, like at a rehearsal or a recital or something. And um, it was a feeling of like that I was, I was doing something that it wasn't just like, you know, joining the soccer team or something. It had a little more to it. And as I got older and more comfortable stepping into that, I, I could really understand that, that there was some kind of gift here that I could really fine tune. <laughs> For sure. And were you writing lyrics from a pretty young age before you went to any of those no. open mics? No, I was a late bloomer. I was, I really started around like 19, 1920. Yeah. The year 1920 is when I started writing. <laughs> I am very old. <laughs> so um, was it easy? Was it easy for you to be so forthright and so revealing of yourself through your lyrics early on? No, not at all. Uh, you know, not at all. <laughs> it took me a really long time and there were actually, you know, I'm not going to get into details, but there were some circumstances that happened in my family life that like reshaped my world and reshaped my family. And something about it uh, gave me this free agency to express myself and not be concerned about what those closest to me thought of the content. And the thing about Honey Honey was that we, I wrote some songs, Ben wrote some songs, we wrote some songs together, but we never said who wrote the song. So I always had this blanket that I could, uh, I could throw over the whole thing. So if I said something, if I wrote about sex or drugs or something, I could be like, you know, <laughs> and then when I, when I wrote my, I did my solo record that came out in 2017, I, I, I sent it to my parents and, uh, and like to let them know this is the record I'm going to put out. And I don't know if you've listened to it, but oh, it, there's yeah. a lot of stuff in there. And, you know, I, I remember getting a voicemail from my dad. I was actually on tour with Butch Walker who produced the record. And we were somewhere, we, a whole band had like rented a lake house for the day. And it was like vacation day. So I was like a little drunk when I listened to this voicemail from my dad. And I remember being like, here we go. And my dad left me a message and he said something along the lines of, Honey, it's your father. I just listened to your filthy, raunchy, beautiful, incredibly written record, and I'm so proud of you. But he like, he like took me down this. He said, "I know, I know that wasn't easy for you to write, and I, I know that you know some of this isn't the most comfortable to listen to as your parents, but we're so proud of you." And it was just like, you know, they they're above and beyond uh, the parents I could have ever hoped to have had in this life, and their their support really does mean a lot to me and i never want to dishonor them by being a, right. an adult woman and expressing myself as such but they've really you know 
they've been great. You know, every once in a while they'll, they'll, they'll make fun of it. You know, if it's, if it's a little outside of their comfort zone, but, but yeah, that, that was a really interesting part of my life when I started to just like surrender to that and stop thinking about the outcome and more about like the, the truth of what needs to come out, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thinking about Ruby red, um, on best out of me, you have that reference where you, uh, talk about seeing behavior in your family tree and not kind of wanting to have that in you. So totally hear how, you know, it's just like a song like that could be very, uh, vulnerable to, to put out into the world and, and have your family here and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's not always the easiest thing. Um, but you know, as I get older too, there, there's like this inclining to inclination to, uh, kind of speak about the world more as opposed to my personal life. And you can always correlate, but there's a, um, I guess like I'm already starting to work on another record lightly and, and it's more expansive in that way, like geographically. It's not just at home with me. So that's that's been interesting too, of just the so many different areas you can you can speak on. Yeah. Did you uh find it to be pretty therapeutic is when you started writing your own tunes and, and playing them in front of people? Yeah, I mean, at first it wasn't much different from Honey Honey because there's so many of those tunes that I wrote myself as well. But um, yeah, I mean, there, again, there was like that, all right, this is your whole stage now and you have to own it. You can't hide. And, you know, this is, and I guess it was liberating. And no, it, it's not, yes, it was liberating and expansive in that way because I, I definitely, um, I think both Ben and I held each other back from a lot of stuff. We also did a lot of, made a lot of accomplishments together, but the opportunity to step out there alone was really, was really interesting. I, my first show, like my first set by myself in years and years and years was with Butch Walker when I, I opened for him on this tour and then I played in his band. And um, I remember like, I was so nervous. I was sick. I was literally sick. And I got up there and it was like breathing. It was like nothing. And then I got off stage and I was like, oh, well, all right, got that over with. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I got to imagine it's got to be scary a bit to, you know, step outside of a project that, you know, has had some success and just someone you've, you've been making music with Ben for so long. And I imagine that chemistry is just pretty strong and undeniable in some ways, or at least, from what I've 
when I've seen you guys play, it, it always comes across like that. Like there's just this uh, unspoken communication between you two on stage and whatnot. But was it scary for you to be like, all right, I'm going to do some cello stuff and, and put out these tunes on my own? Definitely. I mean, at the time, I, I've had so much uh, space between now and then. and But like at the time, I, I yeah, it was huge. It was like, you know, a very codependent relationship. And, you know, it was like cutting off an arm and being like, well, what's the basketball? <laughs> and, and then I, I really, uh, grew another, my arm grew back <laughs> and then I realized, you know, you gotta, you gotta take a leap sometimes and, and bet on yourself. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary the, what the outcome can be when you really do that. And, and I've, I've experienced that in a lot of different areas of my life at this point. And, um, you know, I never want to stop learning and evolving and, and growing. And it, in order to do that, you have to step outside of your comfort zone at specific times. And uh, it's, yeah, it was very hard, but I am the better for it. Yeah. I'd imagine it's pretty exciting too to just be able to explore any idea you want and not have to worry about other opinions as far as making a record. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I'm a collaborator at heart. Like you, you always like, it's, no one ever does it alone. You know, I still, I work with producers and, and engineers and, and, you know, um, but I, I definitely have my own internal compass in a way that um, it's so interesting when it happens, like when a song just comes out and I get like a physical uh, reaction to it. Like sometimes I'm overly emotional and it's, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I, I hit a, I hit a nerve. So that's something or, or my, I get goosebumps all over when I go back and listen to the demos on my iPhone. And that, that's always been a good barometer for, uh, heading in the right direction. And, you know, oddly, one of my new songs, it's called Mercy. It came out a couple of weeks ago or last week. Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, it was a really interesting, like it, it just like, I, I wrote it nearly a night and then finished it the next day. And it was so intense. I was really emotional and I was surprised by it because I, I went back to these really seminal times in my life and where I grew up and how I grew up in this blue collar neighborhood and the things that I witnessed as a young child and recognized that like, that's where my instincts came from. This is where I learned what like bad people are like I can I know what that frequency is I know what this frequency of someone who needs help looks like and feels like and and so it's like a really emotional thing and I've gotten more phone calls and texts and DMs about this song and and it and I guess that speaks to that um collective connectivity that we have um especially when it comes to music or cinema or things that like bring us to a place of of our own individual um feelings I guess yeah. and so I, I I find that to be a great honor because I guess it means I'm I'm doing something with this job and this gift and and I I can only hope to move people just like I'm moved by other people's work yeah mercy is one of my favorite songs that you've ever written well, for thanks, sure. man. Like the, the hook on that thank one is, is just like I don't know it's too good it's too good thank you <laughs> so much i really really appreciate that yeah and i just i love you know just like you're talking about you know you you speak about kind of how you're brought up a little bit and how you're seeing the world and talk about how you're you know fighting with your sisters and that tune and 
Just very cool. Still fighting with my sisters. <laughs> <laughs> that is not change. That's probably never gonna change. <laughs> <laughs> personally always kind of gravitated towards artists that are very vulnerable with their emotions or very kind of like forthright kind of confessional sort of writing um you know it's a little hodgepodge but yes you know sometimes i actually get a little annoyed with some of the more like 
watch me bleed kind of lyrics yeah. like that kind of stuff is, is a little superfluous at times. I think it's just like, just like I, that feeling I've gotten from the writing uh, standpoint, I get that feeling as a listener where it, like it's sometimes it's the, it's the relationship of the melody and the words and the person that's executing them and, uh, or the execution. And like, I, it's just, it's one of those when you know, you know, and, um, it can be across the board, even pop music, but usually not pop music. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some extraordinary writers out there. I really like this guy, Ian No, N O E. Uh, it's just a like kind of straightforward country writer. And I, I'm playing some shows with this guy, Arlo McKinley, yeah. uh, this week. And he's a fellow Ohioan, but I think his music is beautiful. And he's country, and again, just like right to the point, but so well said and delivered. And you know, um, yeah, I am a sucker for a good songwriter, but there's a degree of like, I get, I get annoyed with some of the more self-loathing stuff. I, I don't know, just in general across, the, like as people, I, I'm always just like, all right, well, you know, do better. <laughs> <laughs> but I hold that standard for myself. So, you know, that's, that's where I kind of have a little bit of a specificity. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, as far as like, you know, what you were saying, when you know, you know, I think that was my, my first big experience with hearing your music would, would have been honey honey's three. And that album is, uh, that one's a special one to me. I think I, yours to bear is probably like one of my favorite tracks like within that americana genre and a couple of those thank you those tunes on there where it's just like oh yeah this yeah is, i love that song this too. is the real deal thank you but it's just that you've been in my way lately and i'm feeling bad about feeling crazy oh Yeah, we worked really hard on that record. And, you know, in all transparency, it didn't really turn out as best as we wanted it to. Um, you know, I think those songs were always um, just delivered better live. Uh, and, you know, producing stuff is really hard. Sometimes it, it's just a little, you don't quite get there, but I'm still really proud of that record. And the songs are, are some of the best ones we've written. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you like it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, can you speak to like that chemistry between you and Ben and all the the records you guys made together? I mean, not really. You know, it's kind of it's it's we've moved on from it. Um, it was a big part of my life that I'm so grateful to have experienced. Uh, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about music. 
Um, some of it was incredibly painful. Uh, and I, it's a, uh, yeah, it's kind of like my, it's kind of like a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll always love those records. I, I still play Honey Honey songs in my set. And, uh, and I love it. Every once in a while, I'll go find an old one that I haven't played in years. Yeah. And I'll, I'll revamp it and put it in a set. And it's great. So when you started working on Ruby Red, did you feel like that was your your opportunity to just be super free with your ideas and, and get a little experimental with it a bit? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I really have Butch Walker to thank there because I, I met him at a, a show. Honey Honey was opening for J.D. McPherson. And um, uh, are you familiar? I saw you on that tour. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, that Wait, were you at um, uh, the Terragram? Um, I saw you in Portland at the Wonder Ballroom. Okay, okay, okay. Terragram was my birthday night. It was so much fun. Um, but I met Butch Walker that night, and he asked me if I'd play banjo and fiddle on his record, and I was like, probably never going to hear from that guy. <laughs> and then he, he, like, I didn't even give him my phone number. He got it from a mutual friend, and then, like, a couple weeks later, I was in the studio with him, and, you know he really facilitates uh, this incredible environment of uh, like egoless communication. And I, I hadn't really experienced that in a while. And so I, I had an idea and I, I mentioned like, Hey, I was, you know, don't want to step on any toes, but I was wondering if I could try something. And he was like, Oh my God. And I remember he like physically moved his chair to the side and put, and like pushed my chair in the middle of the console and was like, produce, what do you got? And it was just like, so, um, nurturing. And, and I had so much fun playing his music and I, I played banjo and sing all, all over his record, Jay Gold. And, um, I like, I mustered up the courage to ask him if he wanted, if he might be interested in producing my new music. And he just said, yes. And it was like night and day. I, I just, I worked in ways that I didn't know I was capable. I didn't know that I could. Uh, and like this last record, Yard Sale, like I was doing string arrangements and vocal arrangements and things that like, you know, sometimes when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, you don't really get the opportunity to uh, get the meal just how you want it. Yeah. And so it, it was really liberating. And, you know, I've, I've learned that uh, kindness and, and enthusiasm and um, maturity and confidence are really important elements to have with the people that you bring into the studio because that's when magic happens. Right. <laughs> Did that make it a little easier for you going into making that first solo record, knowing that you already kind of had established this relationship with Butch and you kind of, you knew that was a nurturing environment. Oh my God. Yes. It, it, there's trust, you know, and those things like, you know, I've been in a lot of studios where there's just, insecurity and ego and it, it you you really put the kibosh on what your potential is and i think you could say that across the board in so many areas of life you know all relationships so uh it was very new it was very new for me and i and i really have so much gratitude and you know it's an intense record but i love ruby red i'm so proud of it and as you know this one's pretty different yeah. there's a little few echoes but <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure yeah did you feel like there was a different approach to making yard sales since you had gotten that first solo record under your belt? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I just gotten done playing with Hosier 
and, and doing like a near, nearly year long tour with him and just like, uh, my musicianship changing a lot and, you know, muscularly when you're playing that much music, you just like expand. Um, uh, and I just, um, I got in the studio with John Spiker, one of my buds, who's just an incredible musician. He plays bass uh, and produces Tenacious D and like Lonely Island. And like, you know, he's just, uh, I think he's won some Grammys. <laughs> he's like a pretty, pretty uh, accomplished dude. Fellow Ohioan as well. And um, we just had the best time. And, and this was a little different because when I did Ruby Red, Butch brought in his band, who are beer buds at this point. But I kind of had a real menagerie of people I was calling up in L.A. that uh, revolved mainly around, um, you know, my drummer, Polly, Paul Doyle, who plays with me. Uh, and then, like, all these different guitar players and singers and uh, actually, Hosier's drummer, Rory Doyle, played on a song. He happened to have been in town for a, a minute, and that was so cool. And, you know, it was just like my friends showed up for this record, and that was amazing. I, I hadn't really done that before. So I was, I was really sentimental the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I just think from the, yeah, that opening track, you could tell that you were stepping into a different space, especially with the all the vocal arrangements that you're talking about and yeah. just love love that set of lyrics on that that opening track the better call for backup babe i'm gonna need a real good friend <laughs> it's a long way down tired? honey but it's not the end walking on that wire balancing your life on a fine line that line is on fire better call for backup babe need a real good friend it's a long way down honey but it's not the end You get pretty involved in the the mixing process on a record like yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting you know that that part can be a little uh daunting on the ears because you have to like go between your car and your airpods and your boom box or your bluetooth or if you're lucky you have sonos i don't <laughs> but my boy uh you know that kind of thing is like you know you have to really get to find that medium and I mean, I had a lot of help there too. My guitar player, Blaine, ended up mixing a lot of the songs uh, and he's so talented. And, you know, I, that's sort of where you like put your trust in, in the people around you and that know the music. And, um, you know, again, like it, it takes a village and it helps to have that. But, um, but yeah, I'm involved in all of the areas as, as much as I can be, but without trying to be too controlling and driving myself fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> true story <laughs> <laughs> yeah is it tough for you to get out of your own way sometimes yes and no you know i i have a really like my life practice is you know uh releasing that which does not serve me in the in my highest good and the greater good of those i care about so i i work really hard to be joyful and and harmonious in in just in practice so, like, I know when I'm spiraling, I know when I'm fixating, and uh, I can't, 
I continue to get better at that. And I'm, I'm really like grateful for that discernment. Yeah. What have you, what have you found that that helps with that? I think it's like a, it's a whole, the whole structure of self care first and foremost, there's kind of like this, like can't love others unless you love yourself thing. So I try to take really good care of myself. I've been working out a lot, you know, yoga. I take, I take walks a lot. Like I'll walk for like three hours and either listen to a podcast or catch up or just music. And it's like this sort of walking meditation. I also meditate and, um, you know, I try, I try not, I'm trying not to talk about my personal life so much, but I have this incredible boyfriend who is, uh, such a reflective, contemplative kind of person like myself. So we often, um, contemplate life together and in this like way that is so fulfilling to me like there's no basic element to this relationship it's continually um lush with conversation and introspection and i already do that for myself so it's really cool to share that with somebody else and i find that um that really propels my life yeah in these ways that uh are so rewarding to share that with someone too. For sure. Um, so yeah, it's like one thing kind of feeds the other. Uh, you know, you get your chemicals right by exercising and eating well. And, you know, you get your your mind right by feeding it with knowledge and good conversation. And that also feeds my creativity. And that helps me sleep better at night. And, you know, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Is like, yeah, I'd imagine that, that all kind of like changes your mindset when you sit down to write some tunes or play some music mm-hmm. too if you're all in tuned everywhere else definitely definitely is part of your desire for like the collaborations just that other people seem to bring a different vision to your ideas and kind of help you see things that you didn't wouldn't have seen otherwise always yeah i mean I haven't had a lot of that, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd like more for future records down the road. Like, the just the... I haven't had a lot of experience with people bringing in things without sounding like, uh, you know, I'm full of myself, but, like, bringing in things I hadn't already thought of, you know? Like, there... I... I haven't had that yet. And I'm so happy with the collaborations I have had, but, like, that person that, like, speaks a whole new language that I don't know that well... I haven't had that. That's, that's, you know, that kind of presents itself to you um, at, at certain stages in your career. And I mean, I, I'm always open to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm always looking for the next outfit and what it's going to look like when you put it on. <laughs> Afraid of Heights is one of my favorite tracks on Yard Sale. And thank you. I knew from seeing the track listing that that shaky graves was featured on a track but when yeah. i was listening to it on the on the soundcloud link i didn't know which one it was and after once uh-huh. i got into the song it made a lot of sense that that was one of my favorites just because i love shaky graves and i think me too he's such a great songwriter but that one particularly just all of the the production and how different the first movement is into that that chorus when those drum machines are breaking.
What was it like working with him? And had you had a, a previous relationship with him? I, I barely knew him, to be honest with you. Uh, one, right out the gate, uh, he's this phenomenal person. I, I just think he's a lovely lad. He's so talented. He is one of my favorite people to watch perform live. Uh, has been for years now. I really met him when I was in Australia playing with Hosier at the Byron Bay Blues Fest. And we ended up just like hanging out and talking. And, and I ran into Gary Clark as well. And I think we all ate dinner together. Um, and I was just like, man, I would love to see you guys when we get back to the States. I'm, I'm going to be making a record and I'd just love to, you know, check in. And as it turned out, I was passing through Austin at some point and I met up with Shaky for coffee and just like get to know him a little bit better. And then, you know, I was like, Hey, I want to block out a few days and just come right with you and see what happens. And, uh, we just did that song as it turned out, I ended up getting like two days with him and re-recorded it in LA with John Spiker. But I mean, it was, it was an incredible experience. Um, he really is a magical human and, and just so talented and, and his heart is good. And, and that again, is just such a, a powerful combination when you want to make beautiful music. It's like, you need those things. Yeah. And I've just lucked out and Gary Clark's the same way. I, I just love the shit out of Gary. He's been doing so many great things for me here in Austin. Um, I'm going to open for him in like two weeks in Phoenix and San, San Diego. And I mean, he, he just like, I just called him. I sent him the track, uh, fall for that is what Gary plays on. And I was, I was like, Hey man, and I was like kind of gingerly like, do you want to play on one of my songs? I, I'd, <laughs> I'd be so honored. And I, and I, and, and he responded with, yes, I don't even need to hear it. And I was like, well, you should hear it. You should listen to it make sure you like it. And, um, and he just showed up, you know? And I, I think it's a combination of a couple things. Like I, I want to, I guess, give myself a little credit here because I, I have a tendency not to do that. And I want to think better of myself, but like, you know, a part of me was astonished that these people would play music with me, you know, like, Oh my God, like, when are they going to find out? You know, like, cause I, I, I get like imposter syndrome and yeah. stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so I have to own that. Like I am so fortunate, but I also have a seat at the table. Yeah. And, you know, I want to, I want to honor that. And like, man, I have worked really fucking hard over a decade now. And this oh, is yeah. the kind of thing that you get in return. And also like call people, knock on their door and ask, you know, you yeah. never know. The worst thing that can happen is they say no. And then you go knock on somebody else's door and like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, that's gotta be validating too. When you do hit up Gary and you're like, Hey, I'd like you to play on this record. And he's like, I don't even need mm -hmm. to hear this. I don't, I don't need to yeah. hear the track. Like I'm just down. I respect mm -hmm. you as a musician and I like, mm -hmm. but also like you're saying, you know, sometimes you just got to actually knock on the door. I think that's like the special thing where you, you do see someone at a festival and you're like, we should link up when we get back here and you yeah. actually do that. Yeah. And it actually leads mm -hmm. to something and things only unfold if you go after those things. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it's like to be cool. I don't know what it's like to act like I don't care about something or like, you know, I, I'm an excitable girl. Like I am so pumped to hang out, to be alive, to have a sandwich. Like I am just like, I like the little things. And, you know, in general, when I look at those, like I think Gary and, and Shaky are so cool and they are it's fucking cool. 
Um, and but they're also human beings, and so am I. And and I think that that's where uh, you unlimit yourself when you uh, are honest and you can just like be out there. You put yourself out there and see what happens. And you might, you know, if you, you fall down, you fucking get back up. <laughs> the fuck out of your your songwriting and your, Thank your lyrics. Thank you so much. Your, <laughs> your voice is uh, one of those recognizable ones. You know, if I Thank walked you. into I've... a bar and heard heard a jam, I would just like know it. It's like, oh, that's Suzanne. It's got to be Suzanne. Oh man! Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I was curious if uh, you know because you are pretty forthright in your delivery of lyrics and the content of them is there is there ever a point where putting something out and having to play it over and over makes it difficult to move on from a situation or something that you're trying to express not really you know um that's a really good question i you know songs that i wrote about um heartbreak or transitional times and and you know difficulties um they always change and my relationship to them changes and um so i don't feel how i did when i wrote it and in that that's good for me too because yeah nobody wants to like carry around a suitcase you don't need to carry and i think that um I think when I heal whatever area I was thinking about, uh, it, it remains that way for the most part. And I'm not really harping on it. It just changes. For sure. And, yeah. you know, there's so much production on the record with all these new jams. Is it is it something you can kind of play a lot of these songs acoustically to and have uh, that raw experience with them? Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, well, I have this great band. So when we play together, uh, we have three voices for the most part. And actually my record release in, in Austin here on Thursday, I hired some gospel singers. So we're going to actually perform a lot of the songs like the record, which I'm so oh, excited. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get through it without losing my shit. Cause I, I think it's going to be quite beautiful. Um, so you know, I, that's, that's kind of the fun part too, of like different iterations of the songs from the record. You know, I, I've always been a fan of like personally of the ver the live version as opposed to the studio version and, you know, just giving you a, a new show every time. I mean, the songs are going to sound like the songs, but they might have like a different hat on or, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. I think, I think it was really 
nice listening to the record and and getting to like track 11 out of the 12 and still being thrown different feels and like it was <laughs> kind of hearing you step into some of that r&b and soul like especially on idiot and like you're talking about Thank having, you like i imagine you know having the gospel singers on that and the the last track just that is going to be pretty unreal live and very cool Thank you so much. I'm so nervous. Like, it's it's actually, if you're talking about Island, it's like a really hard song to sing. So I've been really practicing to make sure that my vocal chops are, are there. But like, it's, it's not a song I don't know if I can sing it all the time. Like, I have to sing it for special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> I even realized how much maybe that opening track on the record has sort of that R&B feel to it until I heard the last two tracks. I was like, oh, this wow, kind of exists cool. up top too. So when I got to like that second or third listen of the record, yeah. like, oh, this is here from the beginning actually. Damn. Thanks, man. I'm, I appreciate it. Wow. You really, you really got into it. I, I, I'm, I thank you for that. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. I was just, uh, just a big fan of your, your songwriting and, uh, was really stoked to have the opportunity to, to chat with you about your, your new record. So I wanted to make sure I was, I was well-versed in it, especially, I I feel like it's like such a privilege to me still when I get music early. So I'm just like, I have this secret (laughs) and it's that this Susan Santo record is so fucking good and nobody else has heard the whole thing. Oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Well, I'll be in Portland uh, in November, I think. Yeah, I'm planning, with Jade Bird. Planning to be there. Hell yeah! And are you got, you're in Austin like, now? My kitty cat, Boopy. Uh, I'm in Austin right now. Yeah. How long have you been staying out there? I moved here in February. Okay. So I just got here, but I mean, I was in LA for like 19 years, so it's it's pretty. It's, it's been a big change, but like one that has also changed my life. Like I can't believe I could be this happy. <laughs> and being someone that's spent so much time kind of grinding it out on the road and playing a lot of dates, is it, was it sort of nice for you to have everything slow down a bit during the, the pandemic? Yes, actually. You know, I had some real dark nights of the soul, but uh, what I was able to do for myself emotionally and spiritually uh has like reset the whole thing and i I, you know there's a silver lining and you know yes it was difficult yes i was uh you know having a hard time financially and all that but i re-dug a foundation for myself that i had not done and was um absolutely necessary as it turns out to like an optimal level of happiness (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so yeah, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, it's got to be really killer to get in the room with people and play music after all of that too. Oh my god, not being able I enjoy every that. every second of it. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah. Thank you for dealing with our technical difficulties at the at the top of this thing. I'm glad we got to. Uh, I'm glad we got to chat. I've been looking forward to this all week. This is seriously a big deal to me to get to talk with you. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the great conversation and like really like substantial questions. Thank you. Yeah, maybe when you come through Portland, if you got some time, maybe we'll get to chop it up, have some coffee or something. I'm definitely trying to be at that show. So, um, yeah, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. Okay. And it's just, it means absolutely (laughs) nothing. It's just the way that my, my grandfather says the news program. He always says program. Oh, oh, I love it. Um, oh, it's just a, okay. yeah, it's just a very mean, I don't know. It means absolutely nothing. Oh, I, it's just a goofy way to end the show. I'm ready. Well, it's a program. She nailed it, everybody. It's Suzanne Santo <laughs> on the podcast. We are going to play out the episode with one of my favorite tracks on the yard sale record which i believe is out everywhere now when this comes this podcast is out so you can go and you can stream this record you can buy the vinyl get a vinyl get a t-shirt i saw the merch it's looking smooth and uh (laughs) thank you this track common sense is is really great and i feel like with your solo records even though you've gone experimental at times with with some of the tracks it seems like there's always the ones that are kind of cut and dry and feels like you can really hear the the raw bones of the song and uh, <laughs> common sense is definitely one of those tracks so this is Aww. it that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland austin wherever you are listening from these strings are tearing me to pieces Six cruel beasts, their vicious teeth Sinking into my skin And they ain't gonna set me free This is insanity Oh, where is my common sense? I stick
Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned. <laughs> 